This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 102, The Psychology of Symbols. Our quote of the day was said by Aristotle, the aim of art is not to produce the outward appearance of things, but their inner significance. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives using the artistic process. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hirshton. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach art classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom, The Alchemy of Painting, and my new book that we're going to read from today, The Alchemy of Symbols. To find out more about my projects, classes, and to sign up for my art newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, which is studioalchemy.art. And now for our topic of the day. This episode is an excerpt from my book, The Alchemy of Symbols, How to Use the Power of Images to Transform Your Life. Uh, we are going to be reading Chapter 2, The Psychology of Symbols. And I started with this quote by Aristotle. The aim of art is not to produce the outward appearance of things, but their inner significance. Because I feel that I've, over the years, really just strived <laughs> to get at the inner workings of my own mind through examining my artwork, the images that I'm drawn to, so I can understand more about myself. And ultimately, so that I can push past any delusions and get to the real core of what I'm actually thinking and feeling underneath the surface so I can get at the truth, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I think there's, we all have moments in our life when we realize, oh, I've been fooling myself about something. And maybe if we examine the images we've surrounded ourselves with, the artwork, and even how we've created our own space, we can understand ourselves better and get at the truth. And then we'll be ultimately happier. <laughs> that's, that's what this chapter, <laughs> The Psychology of Symbols, is really about. And I will add that episode 96, The Psychology of Symbols, of this podcast, does cover several of these same stories. It's told in a different way. But if you've heard episode 96, maybe you want to skip over this one. But since I'm reading the whole book from start to finish with each chapter, each chapter being a, a separate episode, I didn't want to not include it. So um, we'll start it off now. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 2, The Psychology of Symbols, from the book, The Alchemy of Symbols. Around 2005, I walked into an antique shop in Asheville, North Carolina. I wandered through the dusty collection of old records, cut glass, crystal, and ashtrays until 
I came to the back corner of the store. Propped up on a desk by the window was the most unusual quilt I had ever seen. The 1930s sack feed fabric was printed in soft pink and white. The hand stitching was meticulous. Each stitch was perfectly even and delicate. This was a quilt made by a master of the craft and it was in excellent condition. By my estimate, it had to be around 80 years old, but it had no signs of wear or tear. There was not one rip or stain on it. I had never seen a quilt so old in such good shape. Usually, a handmade vintage quilt of this quality would sell for at least $300, yet the price on it was only 25. I realized the reason it was on sale for such a cheap price was clear. The design was row after row of pastel swastikas. The swastika is an ancient symbol found in many different cultures around the world. From an X shape, lines extend from each arm, representing light streaming as the cross turns. In one example of ancient Sumerian pottery from the 5th century BC, the lines of the swastika are four women standing in a circle with their hair blowing in the breeze. In India, the Sanskrit word swastika means well-being. Before World War II, Germans used the spinning cross swastika symbol to represent good luck. When the Nazi party took hold in Germany, they adopted the swastika as part of their flag design. It was then that the swastika came to be associated with anti-Semitic white supremacy. When I saw the quilt in the antique shop, I guessed the probable story behind it. Most likely, it was made by an American before the rise of the Nazi party in Germany. After the Holocaust and World War II, the quilt maker hid the quilt away in a box, not wanting to associate themselves with the ugly atrocities of the Nazi party. This was probably why the quilt was in mint condition. It hadn't been used because the symbols on it were too potent. This was probably why the price on the quilt was so low. A part of me wanted to adopt the poor, neglected, misunderstood quilt. It was such a work of craftsmanship, yet no one wanted it. But even knowing the history of the swastika and how it is a positive symbol in other cultures, I did not want to buy it. The symbol of the swastika was just too charged with negativity for me to take the quilt home and look at it every day. Symbols can carry deep emotional pain as well as positive feelings. When we view a strong symbol, it can trigger our emotions and motivate our actions. Sometimes the psychological reactions we have to symbols are conscious and other times they are subconscious. If a reaction is subconscious, we are not fully aware of our feelings, yet they push our decision-making. Sub means below in Latin. These emotions are below the surface of our conscious mind. The mind is often compared to an iceberg. The top section of the iceberg represents the conscious mind that you can see above the water, while the subconscious mind is the larger mass that is below the visible surface. 
In his book Psyche, published in 1846, Carl Gustav Karras, an artist and doctor, came up with the term subconscious. The psychologists Freud and Jung later expanded on the idea of the subconscious mind and how it drives our motivations. Freud viewed the subconscious mind as a trash can where we dump suppressed emotions. Jung had a more positive view of the subconscious as a place where good and bad feelings are stored, along with universal human symbols. With therapy, people can uncover their subconscious mind so that they can understand how it motivates their feelings. Carl Jung said, quote, until you make your subconscious conscious, it will direct you and you will call it fate. I once helped an elderly friend move to a new apartment. I was given the task of boxing up the contents of her closets. Even though she lived alone, she had about 50 bath towels in shades of deep red. Towels must have had a positive symbolic association for her. Perhaps she had good memories from childhood of taking a bath and cuddling into a warm towel afterward. Whatever the symbolic association from her past was, it had prompted her to purchase more towels than she could ever use herself. In this way, people draw objects to themselves in order to feel psychological comfort. I don't know whether my friend had ever consciously considered why she accumulated so many towels. We gravitate towards symbolic objects for mysterious reasons that are often motivated by subconscious desires. Quote from Paramendes, nothing comes from nothing. The behavioral researcher Ivan Pavlov studied how dogs could be trained to associate the sound of a bell with being fed. If the dog was fed every time a bell was rung, the dog would start salivating whenever the bell jangled. Similarly, symbols cause people to have emotional reactions because they are associated with specific situations. Industries with products to sell often motivate people to buy things by playing on their deep psychological needs. Advertisements symbolically link their products with fulfillment of basic human desires. For example, a mint chewing gum ad will show attractive people kissing each other, hoping the viewers will associate gum with sexual desirability. Using this tactic, the De Beers Diamond Mining Company created one of the most successful ad campaigns of all time. In 1938, they started to advertise diamond engagement rings as the ultimate romantic status symbol. Before that time, only some wedding rings had stones and only some of the stones were diamonds. Most people used plain gold bands. When I got married, I did not want a diamond wedding ring because of the ethical problems of the diamond industry. I was surprised by how many of my friends were confused by my choice and said they thought engagement rings had to be made with diamonds. This proved to me how successful the De Beers ad campaign was at entrenching diamond rings into our minds as a symbol of romantic devotion. Diamond rings, engagement rings, and even wedding bands for men and women 
are a relatively new invention. Using rings to mark women as married, and to be quite frank, I'm interjecting this here, marking them as their territory, has existed since Roman times. But the more romantic tradition of both partners wearing rings did not become customary for most men until World War II. Linking the purchasing of symbolic objects with our basic human desires for love, sexuality, family, and safety heavily influences our buying decisions. In his hilarious book on marketing entitled Alchemy, Rory Sutherland points out that people think they buy toothpaste so that they can have clean teeth when they are actually motivated by their subconscious desire to impress the opposite sex. Like marketers, you can use the pull of symbolism to encourage the outcomes you want in business and life. Psychologists are often intrigued by how people associate symbols with their desires. In the hopes of uncovering the truth of human nature and healing old wounds, they examine their patient's personal symbols. They might ask a patient what symbols are found in their dreams, in artwork they create, even what images the patient imagines when they look at an ink blot. In Europe, a parlor game called blotto or klexographie became popular during the late 1800s. To play this game, the participants would look at a blot of ink on paper and write a poem about what they imagined they saw in the shape. A Swiss psychologist, Hermann Brojak, loved playing the game as a child and believed that the symbols people saw in the ink blots might indicate their mental health. He created a test using ink blot images for schizophrenic patients in 1921 called the Ravorjak test. Looking at the same ink blot, different patients saw a bat, a face, or a tree. This helped Ravorjak diagnose his patients. People find symbols even in nonsensical shapes. Rorschach believed that the symbols they project into ink blots can tell us a lot about them. Another way to examine the psychological symbols of a person is to ask them about their dreams. When analyzing nighttime dreams, the symbols that are woven into them can be personal, cultural, or universal. Dreams show us a lot about ourselves, what we desire, and what we are afraid of. Sometimes, dreams show us what we secretly wish for. They are rich havens for the subconscious mind to reveal our instincts. There are many popular books that are written as dream symbol dictionaries. The idea is that a person can look up any symbol from a dream to figure out what their dream meant. For example, I dreamed that I went to work at a store under renovation. I was cleaning out an old pink dresser. In it was a collection of blonde hair. I was grossed out by the hair and threw it away. To help me interpret this dream, I could look up the words store, furniture, and hair in a dream dictionary. In the symbol encyclopedia of section of this book, I described stores as representing an abundant source of supplies. Using this description, I could interpret my dream to mean that I am craving fresh new materials for myself. I enjoy looking up definitions of symbols in dream dictionaries, but I do not view them as the ultimate 
authority on what a dream symbol might mean to me. The reason I can be skeptical about dream dictionary definitions is that they do not take into consideration my unique personal or cultural experience. The meaning of many dreams will alter depending on the person. Many dream dictionaries do not consider the bias of the author. For this reason, I use dream dictionary definitions as a gut check. I read the definition and am open to fresh ways of viewing the symbol that I had not considered before. And this is a quote by Heraclitus. Those who are asleep work and help make something of the world. The psychologist Carl Jung did not care for the idea of dream dictionaries. Even though he loved the idea of common dream symbols, he stated, it is foolish to believe in ready-made systematic guides to dream interpretation. No dream symbol can be separated from the individual who dreams it. In ancient Greece, pilgrims traveled to the temple of Asclepius to have dream visions. Asclepius was the god of healing. People came to the temple with gifts of cakes and honey, fell asleep under the stars, then hoped for powerful dreams that were then interpreted by a priest. If the dream was significant, the pilgrim was invited into the secret temple room where they would dream of what would cure their illness. Cultures like this one believed that interpreting dreams was a special skill for religious authorities. Consider whether you believe that dreams should only be interpreted with the help of a wise person, such as a religious leader or a psychologist, or whether a dream can only fully be understood by the dreamer themselves. The dream expert Robert Moss believes that the ultimate authority on the dream is the dreamer. When brainstorming what a dreamer's symbols might mean in a group setting, he encourages participants to preface ideas with the phrase, if this were my dream. Using that phrase helps keep the interpretations of the dream symbols from becoming authoritative. If I were in one of Moss's dream groups and shared that I dreamed of a bicycle going up a very steep hill until it started to fall backward because of the incline, I might have folks in the group suggest that the steep hill could represent anything from career goals to relationship problems. An individual's interpretation is limited by their own experiences. Yet a fresh view of dream symbols can help a dreamer see potential meanings that they hadn't seen before. Quote by Henry Bergson, the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. When I was sick in 2020, I had a dream that I was in a house filled with little white grubs. These worm-like creatures covered the ceiling. Fish were released into the house and they swam through the air eating the grubs with vigor. There were only a few fish and many grubs, so I thought, this will take a long time for the fish to eat all of them. When I woke from the dream, I felt relieved. I was happy that the grubs would be gone. After thinking about the symbols in the dream, I decided that the grubs represented the mysterious force that was causing my health problems. The fish represented health and vitality. I decided that this dream was my subconscious mind telling me that I should be more patient. 
My health problems would not be solved overnight. Healing would take time. After having this dream, I embraced the fish as a symbol of health and created the painting Healing Fish with an image of my body in perfect health and fish happily swimming toward me. In many shamanic healing rituals, visual images are created or acted out to start the process of manifesting health for the sick or wounded. One example comes from the Navajo culture where religious leaders create sand paintings to aid the healing process. When the private ritual is over, they dispose of the sand because it is thought to now hold the illness within it. I created the fish painting to solidify the positive image of fish in my mind. I believe that even without religious ritual, focusing on healthy images will help the healing process by calming the mind through visualization. If you have a dream with important symbols, you can incorporate them into artwork to help remind you of the dream lesson. Every time I look at the fish painting, I am reminded that healing takes time. If I am feeling weak, I visualize the image of the fish. The fish dream helped me in my healing process. Creating the artwork and visualizing what I wanted in the form of symbols helped me to grow beyond my illness. Similarly, the new intuitive painting movement aims to use artwork for psychological healing. Intuitive painters strive to create art without a plan and without looking at a photo for reference. Instead, they paint shapes, then look at those shapes to find symbols. Like Revorjak's inkblot tests, intuitive painters imagine the images within the shapes, then enhance them with details to draw out the images. This new art movement has roots in the abstract expressionist and surrealist art movements, both of which were influenced by the idea that our unconscious motivations can be brought out into the light of day by creating artwork. Surrealist artists did automatic drawing exercises. By drawing the first symbols that came to their mind, they hoped to create uninhibited, truthful images Symbols that emerge organically through the process of creating artwork have a raw energy that opens us to the secret chambers of our minds. These images are authentic reflections of our true nature. The language of symbols in art can be mysterious and difficult to decipher. Stephen King wrote that symbolism is useful to writers because it summarizes and encapsulates concepts in a, quote, arresting way. One of my students was fixated on painting feathers, but didn't understand why. Six months later, they suddenly realized how the image was meaningfully connected to their life. They were then able to interpret the significance of the symbol. These aha moments can help someone to clarify what is important to them. It can also help them make decisions about their life going forward. Oscar Wilde said, every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not the sitter. All art is a self-portrait. Spending time consciously examining the symbols that come through the artwork you create or select for your walls can help you to uncover your hidden emotions.
examining symbols that emerge from the mind, whether they come from dreams, artwork, or inkblot tests, can help people to face their feelings. Carl Jung wrote in Man and His Symbols that the general function of dreams is to try to restore our psychological balance. When we examine our emotional connection to specific symbols, we come to understand ourselves better and live an emotionally balanced life. Only by questioning our motivations can we truly learn about ourselves. Only then can we move forward. The main message of this chapter. Symbols show subconscious desires and the psychological truth of who we are. If we examine why we are drawn to symbols, we can learn about ourselves on a deeper level. Questions to ask yourself. What symbols do you associate with incidents from your past? And that concludes chapter two, the psychology of symbols. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice. <laughs>